You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about why organizations don't more often focus on problems and challenges internally, but have a tendency to focus on the goals of the organization or the team. They set the guiding light, and they don't think about what has to be done or what challenges may get in the way. It's a complete equation. You can't do one without the other. And since we need that, today, we're talking with Tim Kakir, CEO and founder of Squad One. Tim, thank you for taking the time, and welcome to the show. Hi, Chad. Thank you so much for the invite. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And hello to all the listeners. Excellent. So before we jump into the topic of the day, we'd love to start with a, a question that helps the audience get to know you a little bit better. And would love to know, always interested to know, something you're passionate about that those that only know you through work may be surprised to learn about you. Okay. Well, I think that just earlier on, as we were starting the call, you saw my guitars. I'm actually a sound engineer <laughs> as well. And I'm a techno DJ. So on the weekends, you can find me in uh, dark techno warehouses uh, playing music. Well, how did you get into that? Well, to be honest with you, that was even before I was doing marketing. I studied sound engineering. And in London, I had a studio, a recording studio, and I had a techno party, a record label. And what I found out is that I was actually marketing everything I was doing. So then I slowly switched to tech, to technology companies, and I left the music scene, sadly. <laughs> and is that how you got, you know, help us understand the journey from there to the founding of Squad One and what led you to, to do that and make that jump? Yeah, uh, Squad One actually has been an idea in my head for the last about three to four years. At first, it was, um, it was a platform that I was building for my clients. Uh, I'm a growth consultant now. I help technology companies uh, grow. And... It was about experimentation. It was about learning from your failures and your winnings because we make so many mistakes, but we never learn from them almost. Like, I don't want to say never, but most of the time we don't <laughs> learn from them. And uh, sadly in companies, especially that happens a lot as uh, you may know as well. And so um, it was an experimentation platform. Then with time, I was putting this in, in my clients. And what I realized is that they wanted something bigger. So what we did is that we changed the platform the last year by testing a little bit more with clients. And we made it a more about a strategical goal setting tool that basically bridges the gap between strategical goal setting and day-to-day -day execution. And I mean, just to make it a bit clearer, I have a mission for that company, which is a drive growth through collective intelligence. Love it. I love it. And so when we were prepping for this, we started with your passion and focus on problems and organizations not focusing on the problems mm -hmm. rather than just the objectives. What kind of led you to this realization and, and what did you experience that made you understand there needed to be a kind of a shift in focus or a broadening of focus, so to speak? I work with some amazing CEOs. Uh, they were they were very I don't want to call it aggressive, but you know go getters, and <laughs> and um, they were always thinking ahead. They were always like, let's go get this money, let's go get new revenue, let's get monthly recurring revenue, let's focus on that. And we they never focused on the actual problems in the company. And when I say that, let's say a customer support agent might be fixing something 25, 30 times a day. And if you can't assign that as a problem or a challenge, now I call it, which I think we'll touch on in, in a bit. And if you can't assign that and people can't find a solution to that, then that problem keeps happening and you're losing resource, you're losing time and time is money, right? So I started to focus on the little problems in companies, it could be in the marketing team, it could be in the sales team, it could be in the operations. And what I realized is that 
actual growth comes from understanding these problems and solving these problems. And so you mentioned in some of the prep material, the OKR framework, it mm -hmm. could potentially be rigid, static, difficult to establish. For the listeners who don't know, what is the OKR framework and what makes it so challenging? Well, the OKR framework is actually a great, great, great framework because at least there is something, right? Because uh, I think that we didn't even have <laughs> anything better before. than nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> correct, Chad. So, so the OKR was invented by Andy Grover at Intel many, many years ago. And it's basically objectives and key results, right? So what is an objective? An objective is a broad qualitative goal designed to propel, your forward, uh, propel you forward in a desired direction, right? So it's like it answers the question, what do you want to do in a company, right? It's aspirational, it's inspirational is achievable, but it's still yet stretching, right? So if you do 70% of your of your OKRs, that's still good, right? Because we, we want to be a bit more ambitious, right? And the key results basically is the quantitative statement that measures the achievement of that objective. And this is great, but I've I've heard so many complaints about it because it's not very collective. It's still waterfall, it's still from top to bottom. And so I kind of tried my own OKR methodologies many times in different companies where I put a bit more of the purpose, some initiatives, you know, blockers. And actually a great friend of mine, he's also talking about this all the time on how to change OKRs to be a bit more, how can I say, a bit more flexible, a bit more collective, you know, a bit more fun as well, right? Because when now we want to have fun at work, because if not, we, we change our jobs and we want to believe in that culture. We want to believe in that, in that mission of the companies. And that's how I found that it was a bit limiting in companies. So I kind of invented my own and that one that you invented is GCO, Goals, Challenges, and Opportunities. So help us understand what that is, and then we can get into how, it, uh, how you apply it. Yeah, that's correct, Chad. I mean, um, I've invented GCO a couple years ago. I mean, to be honest, it just slowly became GCO. It had different names <laughs> and so on, and I, I always tried to find a good marketing name for it. And basically, the GCO is a little bit different. It's goals, challenges, and opportunities, right? So um, every goal, if they're ambitious enough, they do have some challenges, right? If we do have challenges, right, we, we need some opportunities on fixing those challenges. So what I say also, a challenge should always include a baseline, right? Um, so that you say, all right, the challenges, if you want to make that money, we can't because right now we're here. Right? Or if you want to be able to hit those sales numbers, we can't because we only have five sales guys. Right? So when you start defining these challenges, people are suddenly able to understand, oh, okay, that is the challenge. I do have some opportunities. Maybe it could be hire more people. Maybe it could be automate some of the sales processes. It could be let's get a better CRM. Suddenly, it makes you start being creative. And if you do communicate your challenges throughout the, co the company, then people collectively are starting to do ideation sessions and they can prioritize the best opportunities. And that's how I've, I've brought about a bit the GCO. The goals is, is kind of the objectives from the OKRs, as we mentioned, but the challenges is where I'm starting to reinvent a little bit the key results because key results are great to get to, an, to a number, but where are we? What's happening? What is the problems? What are the challenges on getting there, if that makes sense? Yeah, it makes absolute sense. And, and I'm, I'm curious if you think, so with OKR, you mentioned waterfall. GCO feels much more kind of agile in, in nature mm -hmm. and much more collaborative. I'm wondering, have you seen or do you think that generational differences in the workforce 
are impacting the effectiveness of either one of these, right? It's making OKR more challenging and restricting to use because we're seeing much larger influx of millennials as baby boomers retire. Baby boomers, we're used to that top-down approach. Millennials want much more collaboration uh, across the board. Do you think there's some level of acceptance and, and creativity, excitement around GCO because it also taps into some of the generational differences that we're seeing in the workforce? Wow, I love this question because I've been in a few podcasts, but uh, this is a really interesting one, Chad. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I think so. When I think about it now, that as you're asking, now we have actually so many jobs that we can go, right? Because there's so many tech companies. And obviously, post-COVID world is we're remote. So we can change companies. We can go to a company where we really believe in the culture. We really believe in the vision or the just cause or the mission, right? So the younger generations, I think we do have this luxury of a year and a half, two years later, changing a job. A few years ago, if in a CV you had someone working a year and a half or two years in a place and two years in another place, you wouldn't want to hire that person, right? You would be like, oh, he doesn't stay in, in the same job for long. But now we do. Why? Because... You come as a professional, it could be in product, it could be a marketing, you do what you do, you bring your skills and you want to you wanna go to the next uh, challenge for yourself as well, right, for your career. And I think definitely generationally, thanks to the internet and thanks being online, this has happened. So um, what do I mean with the GCO framework, how it works better for these generations is that anyone now can assign a challenge, right? If you gave as a CEO or, or as the VPs, and if you gave some goals, now finally, you can speak up, right? We're giving a word to everybody, right? So everybody can say, oh, we do have a challenge about those goals, people, you know, like C-levels, executives, we have, we have some challenges. And when people start getting involved, especially these younger generations that you mentioned, right, then there is a better ambience, there is a, a better culture. You're suddenly driving the company all together and not just from top to bottom. And I think with that aspect of collaboration, I think COVID and, the, and the, even the acceleration of the workforce into a virtual environment, top down is harder to enforce, in, I think in my experience, when everybody is virtual, it almost removes accountability and responsibility from an individual. It puts it back on the structure of the organization. Whereas when we use something that's much more collaborative, much more agile, much more inclusive, such as GCO, I think that actually could potentially amplify the impact of being able to effectively work virtually. Have you seen that impact at all or seen it play out that way? I mean, absolutely, because what happened as well, if, um, you know, the last 10 years, we've really been focused on the technology companies building HR tools, right? How, you know, work-life balance, how do we feel better at work and so on. And obviously now with COVID, just pre-COVID, we had this trend as well, right? Like mirror whiteboards, like digital whiteboards, how like Zoom, now we have Zoom apps, you know? So every company, every technology company is going towards helping companies work remotely better, right? So in this sense, as you mentioned if you try to be super bossy and you said all right you do what i say you're gonna do <laughs> that yeah but it's sad but this that never really happened. worked for me yeah <laughs> i'm glad it doesn't for you but it's still some people do think i have some ceos that they do so i don't work with them anymore anyways but so what happens is that is when you try to implement that in a digital world and especially if you're not going to do nine to five or nine to six and you're going to say okay you start work at nine you finish at six how are you going to track that anyways when you're at home 
right? But if you bring a way of ideation sessions, let's, let's bring the goals together, team. You know, let's bring the challenges. What are your challenges in your job? What are challenges in your team, in your department? And everybody now is allowed to bring opportunities. Right away, we have started to work collaboratively. And this could be remote. This could be offline. It doesn't matter. Offline, as you know, the design sprints, the ideation sessions, these have been going on for years now. And these were where we were collaborating. Now, I think that we need to collaborate at every level, and this should be from strategic goals to day-to-day task management. And so when you implement GCO inside of an organization, how do you, is there a platform or a way you like to track it or or share that project tracking information or share that information to make sure everybody has a clear understanding of what's going on and, and who needs to do what? Is it standard project management software, or is there something you found to be more effective in terms of being able to provide a dashboard and insight into progress through the framework? Mm-hmm. I've tried many, many. I've tried with Trello, with Asana, with ClickUp. And I tried it on purpose because I, I was building my platform, which is squad1.io. <laughs> right? and, and you still can, but it's going to take you hours and hours. It's going to take a lot of complex design in your mind and then trying to implement that on a typical task management platform. And then you have all these OKR tools. There are so many of them. But as I just mentioned, there are two different platforms. One is strategic goal settings and one is day-to-day execution. So what I've just built, and I'm still on, on early uh, early adoption beta testing, so I don't accept every company yet, but at squad1.io, what we're doing is exactly that. It's being able to actually put your goals, then put all your challenges and being able to bring all your opportunities for those challenges. Right now, I haven't changed the naming yet because I'm testing just the classical, right? So um, I call it goals, results, and ideas at the moment, but uh, my my future goal, which is going to be in the next few months, is to finish up the framework as a book and then change the naming around it in the company, in my platform, and start uh, preaching at the GCO framework. So you're actually one of the early ones who, um, and your listeners are the first ones that actually are listening to, apart my clients, of course. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we appreciate you appreciate you sharing this with us. So you've obviously been iterating on it and doing, you know, agile approach, continuing to improve it. I'm curious if you could give us an example, real world example of, of where you've seen it play out either with a client or even even in squad one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- this is what I love. We already use our own platform for our own company, and that works really well. But I'll give you an example from a client. So a client was, uh, again, it's, it was one of these CEOs who had some some really amazing goals in mind. You know, we're going we're gonna to reach the, these numbers and so on. And um, it's a bit the example I gave in the beginning, but I'll, I'll give you really a bit more uh, factual, is there was a problem in the product, right? So we were, the sales team was selling a product, right? It's a SaaS product, software as a service and you can close some clients you don't close some clients and then there was there, there was problems Salespeople were having problems sales marketing was speaking a little bit right thankfully but sales customer support was not speaking as much but the biggest problem was the product team was even more far they were more siloed right because they were really working on the product and so what what we did is actually being able to for the customer support team, first of all, to actually say all the problems, all the challenges that they're seeing day to day, day to day. And every day at the end of the day, they would they would actually put this in a spreadsheet. Back then there was no squad one. And <laughs> we were putting this in a spreadsheet and everybody would look at the spreadsheet and suddenly the product team would have access to the spreadsheet and they'd be like, oh, oh my God, that issue that you guys are having, right? 
it's a very easy fix. So then they were like, okay, we can fix all of this. But then we realized that would take a lot of the, the manpower from the actual product and just fixing little bugs. And we always have to keep innovating, right? So what we were able to then do is to bring a prioritization framework, right? To score, to be able to score on saying, you know, what would be the impact? How easy would it be? And so on. And when we brought this, this framework, we suddenly allowed the whole company marketing, sales, even finance. And we found some incredible stuff, to be honest, because finance had some ideas that they would never say because they're just busy with the numbers. And <laughs> suddenly everybody was scoring. They were scoring all these these problems. Back then it was called problems, not really challenges, but they were scoring these problems about you know how impactful would it be if we fix that? How easy would it be to fix that? Suddenly the product team had a priority. And from let's say 10 problems, we just get the three, the three top ones. And those three top ones, as soon as you fix that we had happier customers we had happier salespeople, we had happier marketing people because now they were marketing <laughs> something that was working a little bit better as well and we did grow uh, we did grow in 18 months with taking this we grew from uh, from about 100k mrr and we tripled that in 18 months wow that, those are some impressive results and so when you see you know you think about the future future as we continue to see the business environment evolve kind of you know we had the last 18 months with the pandemic and everybody was kind of shut in now we've got some people going back and there's the delta variant and all of this you know <laughs> uncertainty out there you never really know what's going to happen are we going yeah. to back in person that kind of stuff as you continue to see this and I, the only way I know how to describe it is just a consistent river of change. Like every day you just have to be prepared for some level of shift because of what's going on around the globe. Do you see this framework and this approach being able to enable companies to better weather that kind of consistent change that they're seeing? Give them, I don't want to say a touchstone, but more of a foundation so that they can stay focused on what's going to help the company be successful. Can you see that playing out that way? And if so, kind of explain that a little bit to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to take um, a different example because you mentioned uh, COVID. Uh, what happened in the beginning of COVID? No countries has actually collaborated. Everybody was very individual, right? Countries were, were just thinking about their own countries. Let's say that they did have a GC or framework. <laughs> I'm going to try to <laughs> adapt this. It's, I'm going I'm going crazy here, but let, let me see. So um, let's say that countries actually said, right, the goal is to get rid of this virus. And suddenly they start saying the challenges, right? People are traveling. This is happening. You know, we don't have enough beds. We don't have enough that. And if they could have assigned these challenges globally, right? And suddenly countries everywhere could that start bringing some opportunities. To the table and if everybody had prioritized this all these countries all these big leaders that we're talking about that we you know that, that, that are kind of leading our world you know, what would have happened then right and we would prioritize these, these 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 opportunities these solutions to these challenges and everybody together had worked they collaborated i think we would not not been here chad to be honest with you right but let me put it in a business space as well if you like pre-covid post-covid during covid if we have the mindset of always speaking about our challenges, right? And not just trying to make everything fluffy and butterflies and everything's beautiful. No, there are problems. <laughs> there are problems in the world. There are problems in companies. There are problems in individuals. But, you know, we have this, you know, we always have to look strong. And this is how we learned in the past. Look strong, be the best, right? To be the best, you have to accept you know your weaknesses and work on them so if we could say our challenges in companies and in individuals i think that 
there we're going to start having a better world where where opportunities will start arising creativity will be tapped into uh, collectively and everybody will help each other not just themselves but everybody will help the, the, each other and that this will work as companies i think this will work as communities and this is going to work globally in my, in my mind I love it. And I actually, you know what, I really, the, the, the example of countries collaborating through the framework, I think resonates very powerfully because we saw what the fragmentation did at a global mm -hmm. level. It's not hard to extrapolate that to see what happens inside of organizations as they grow and they add new departments or divisions, especially if people are distributed and you don't have the, you know, the, I, hey, I can drop this off on somebody's desk or just mention this in the hallway. There has to be something that kind of serves as the touchstone or the, or the foundation for that collaboration, creativity, and focus. And it sounds to me like GCO and the platform that you're working on will be a, a great way for organizations to benefit from that approach. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said distributed and not remote, because remote means that we're remote to a location, right? And I do, I do try to use more the word just distributed as well. That means that there is no headquarters and everybody's all around the world. So, so I love that you use that. And I mean, I don't think that my platform is ready to be used by countries and globally, politically, yet. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully one day we'll get there. Yeah, hey, we've got to have goals, right? <laughs> exactly. Goals. <laughs> they have to be ambitious as well. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a founder and CEO, that makes you a target for other people that are trying to sell things. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious to learn the easiest way in is if you know somebody and they say, hey, you should talk to this person. But if you don't have that trusted referral in, how does somebody effectively capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I get a lot of those, obviously. And I did it myself. I used to sell carpets door to door at some point, and that was difficult. But get to know who you're targeting, right? We have the internet now. It's not creepy to, you know, to look online, what's available, information about you, understand what you like, understand how you speak on LinkedIn, what types of posts do you engage with, right? And speak my language. Don't come to me so strict when I'm not a strict person, you know, but go to somebody who likes strict language to go strict with him, but come to me more friendly. And, you know, I had some amazing examples. One person actually made the joke of hello first name, right? And I thought that he missed the first name, but in the bottom said, hey, Tim, I actually didn't miss the first name. I just wanted to show you that this is not an automation. And it was still an automation. Right. But how he, <laughs> he faked the automation not being an automation. I loved it. I laughed a lot. And I, I, I replied to him. I said, oh, that was hilarious. I really loved that. He said, you see, I got your attention. And I, I jumped on a call with him. I never bought his product, but we still speak. Nice. Excellent. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there was mm -hmm. one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe would help them hit or exceed their targets. What would it be and why? I think this maybe it's going to sound very simple, but it's not, sadly. It's just be friends, you know, don't compete with each other. You're a whole team, you know, don't separate those teams. Because I've seen a lot of problems between sales and marketing where they blame each other of the quality of the lead or you can't close the deal and so on. When they start working, <laughs> yeah, this is hilarious, yeah. but it happens all the time. And when you say, hey guys, you're all a team, you're all responsible, your objectives are the same, right? Your goals are the same, and you're gonna all get the same kind of amount of monies or whatever, right? If you close a deal, even customer service, even customer support, suddenly you get this collaboration. And when you get that collaboration, customer service tells you what types of problems are happening and how 
the clients speak to them. So the sales now knows how to make sure to answer those questions or how to speak to potential clients, right, to prospects. And suddenly marketing learns how to message better on the website, right? And the more we do this, I think this that's where we start growing revenue. Love it. I love it. All right, Tim, if somebody's interested in talking more about the topics we've touched on today or learning more about Squad One, where do you want us to send them? Well, first of all, I think uh, my website, timkakir.com. So that's T-I-M-C-A-K-I-R.com. And obviously, same, my first last name on LinkedIn are the two places. But also on my website, you'll find my newsletter. Every Monday, I try to send out a newsletter with all the tools that I recommend, some frameworks that I recommend, and so on. And I try to help professionals that way. Perfect. Tim, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been amazing having you on the show. Chad, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.